Hi, I'm Dr. Taryn McCarthy, business owner, orthodontist, motivational speaker, and mom. After 20 years of striving for success in business, I'm starting the conversation about the business of happiness. True success in life is realized when we achieve inner fulfillment. Join me in the conversation with business leaders and entrepreneurs looking to reignite their passions and redefine success. Welcome to the Business of Happiness podcast. Hello, my friends. I am so eager to share with you today's interview with Scott Spann. He's a people strategist, a coach, and a change and transformational consultant who works with organizations, small teams, and individuals. And what I love about him is that he believes that people are the greatest asset to any organization and that happy employees make for happy customers. This is a really fabulous interview because he shares with us some of his insights into how team dynamics have changed since the COVID era and how we can improve communication and authenticity and have a bigger impact in teams, not just from a leadership standpoint, but what you can do if you're not leading the team, but just one of the employees, how that you can make a big difference in the leadership of your group dynamics. So please enjoy this conversation. I think you're going to love the insights this, that Scott has to share with us today. I hope you find great value. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Business of Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Taryn McCarthy, and I am so excited today to bring to you this really exceptional man who I've had the honor of meeting through a collaborative exciting book writing experience, which I'll tell you all about as we go through the podcast today. But first, I want to introduce to you this people strategist. He's a coach, a change and transformation consultant. We're speaking today to Scott Spann. Scott, welcome. We are so excited to have you here and to share your expertise with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And great to be with you. And thank you for the great introduction as well. Much Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you today because one of the topics that I know you speak so beautifully on is this idea of team leadership and mm -hmm. leading teams. And I'd love to hear your story and to introduce you to my audience. So tell me a little bit about how you came to be an expert in this field. Sure. So my background is actually organization development and leadership. So over the years, that has become lots and lots and lots of working with various types of teams, um, cross industry, cross sector. Um, organizations are made up of teams, right? So, um, you know, the, the main bulk of the work has been trying to make sure that organizations are better places for the people that work in them. Right. Mm. So lots of different things go into that. Right. Um, of course, you know, making uh, helping to create inspired and great teams um, and what goes into that, as well as helping to coach and work with inspired and great leaders, or at least that's the way they they come out of coaching, hopefully. Right. Ah. Um, so that's that's a little bit about how I got into the work you know, initially. Um, and, uh, you know, these days, the focus around you know, teamwork is completely upside down um, due to COVID. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So mm -hmm. how has COVID impacted 
teamwork and how we see it and what works now in a post-pandemic era? Sure, sure. I mean, it's interesting. There are some things that are just across the board always going to be the same um, when you're trying to create inspired teams uh, and highly engaged teams. Those basically, you know, your fundamental human needs. So everyone wants to feel valued, heard, appreciated, right, respected. There's empathy is important as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the way you go about building those things. Uh, transparency and communication uh, obviously is huge. And I will pause on that one actually to your question because communication is one of the things that has been majorly impacted from a team perspective due to COVID. I mean, you know, when we used to be in an office environment, for example, you know, we could just ping someone next to us and then pop down or Mm. some people wouldn't, they'd still prefer to ping, but you knew the person was there, right? (laughs) So you could have that face-to-face dialogue. You could do that in-person relationship building. You could do a quick clarity check. You know, Mm. sometimes, you know, if we're talking to someone virtually, it's particularly without visual component, you know, things get lost in interpretation, right? I mean, we can't see body language, tone and inflection are often a problem, can cause conflict. And these things have been majorly on the rise now because Mm -hmm. of our new remote virtual environment, um, which was a, some would say, unfortunate catalyst of COVID, but I think we're going to move towards a balance eventually uh, of remote and in-office work. Um, But communication is one of the big things. um, It's interesting, as you say that, I'm also thinking about those teams that have been fortunate enough to be in person are wearing masks. So all of that tonality and the facial expression and the underlying meaning behind what you say, all of that is lost. Yep, yep, lost in translation. And you know, the studies say, this was about 70%, if I recall, um, is nonverbal, right? So to your point, particularly with masks, it's very, very hard to decipher that. Um, You know, and that's still assuming that, you know, you can see each other virtually, Mm. right? I mean, oftentimes now that comes into play, you know, you can hear someone a little bit muffled, you can't even see them, and then you have double the communication impacts. Um, So I've been doing a lot of work with leaders lately, um, and emerging leaders, new managers in particular, around strategies for improving communication amongst their teams in this new virtual world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what tools and technologies are available, but also what methods can you utilize when you can't always be? face-to-face to help build that trust and to help, you know, communicate transparently so people understand you. Interesting impacts. So what would you say is the number one mistake that leaders have made now since the beginning of the pandemic? What is the one thing that they've been making in error in an, in an effort to try to increase communication? What, what have they been doing wrong? I don't like to put it in aspects of right and wrong for leaders. Uh, Improvement areas, they tend to respond to a little bit better. <laughs> I like it. I like right? it. Um, however, you know, one of the biggies is assuming they've been understood, right? Mm. And there's a, there's a quote, and I'll get dinged for this for not remembering who said it, um, but uh, it's, you know, one of the biggest mistakes in communication mm-hmm. is thinking that you were understood. Wow, that's a big one, Scott. So, I think that that we, so many of us are at fault for that just because I said it you should have understood what I said. What do you mean you don't get me, right? Yeah, Yeah. that comes up a lot. I do a workshop, Impact First Intent, Effective Communication in the Workplace. And that comes up a lot, particularly in the breakouts that are done between managers and employees, right? Hmm. Because even when face-to-face, when I do this, you know, they'll be sitting across from each other and, you know, the manager has this look in their head, like, okay, yeah, you know, I was understood. Sure, they get what I'm saying. You know, and you look at the employee and the employee's like, what did you just say to me? 
like what what did you mean you know um so you know now that's that's even harder the interpretation of impact versus intent so you have to really really focus on making sure that you were understood and one of the things i say to leaders now about that is check in ask you know i mean that will give you a surefire way of how your message was interpreted just say, what did you hear? Or what did you think I said? Or what did right. you understand from that? Right, what did you take away from what I said? You know, sometimes it's a little bit deeper. You know, if you can see the person even virtually, you know, and they have an eye squint or you know, something going on, a facial, you know, a little Vulcan thing going on. That's when you that's when you check in. You, you say, oh, I think we might have a disconnect here. How did you interpret what I just said? But it's that's even- That's really nice. You say it so beautifully because when I thought of myself saying it, it sounded almost confrontational. Like, did you understand what I said? But you just said that so eloquently. You know, I think that we have a miscommunication here. Please tell me, what did you think that I meant by that? Right. And it's interesting on that, you know, Taryn, because oftentimes leaders just assume that they were understood. And lots of times it's the attitude of, I'm a leader, so you'll understand me. That's it. Right. And they don't check in, you know, and think about further down the line what that can do to the dynamics of a team, hmm. right? I mean, that can breach trust if there was any. If Absolutely. there wasn't, it's going to be harder to build, mm-hmm. you know, productivity impacts and everything else, all stemming mm-hmm. from communication. Mm-hmm. There's also a part of that, I don't know if you'd agree with me, that speaks to fear on the part of the leader that maybe. I don't know how to communicate properly. So I'm almost not, I'm just going to insist that you understand what I'm saying. And I'm not even going to check in because I don't want to know that I was ever wrong. Do you think that that happens a lot in leadership, that there's this insecurity about their leadership skills? It happens often. Um, and some would call that imposter syndrome, um, right? I think we, we've all experienced that to some extent in our own lives. It's what we choose to do with it. And I have found that the, well, it's twofold. The higher up leaders climb, or the longer they've been with an organization or a mix of both, mm-hmm. um, the less likely they are to acknowledge that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat for obvious reasons, you know, like, and uh, the other piece I had found is because they just don't notice anymore, right? So you have self-aware leaders that do notice, but it's, oh, I'm the leader, you know, and mm-hmm. I've climbed this ladder and this is what it's going to be. And you'll just understand me and do what I say, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And there's other leaders that have the self-awareness around it, but then just decide that they don't have the time or energy to want to deal with it. Hmm. So how do you, as a consultant for these organizations, approach that in a leader who, either one of those leadership types? Yeah. Well, with the ones that, you know, are self-aware, but don't necessarily have the time for the fun hmm. ones to work with, um, you know, it's slowing the role a little bit, right? Yeah. And it's, it's mirroring exercises as well. Um, and sometimes it's upfront data collection before I can even do anything, right? Um, so that they get the feedback from their employees. So they actually see how their communication is impacting or not impacting their employees. Um, and then that feedback helps ground them and give them a baseline, increases the aha a little bit and gives us a starting point for solutions, right? Because then it becomes real for them, you know, um, in that regard. And it's a little tough sometimes because of their schedules, you know, I mean, these are the self-aware bucket, right? They just don't have time. So start where you can work with them where they're willing to go. Um, and sometimes it's a little bit piecemeal, you know, to do it. And some time goes by, um, but progress is made. Uh, the other and, ones. I'm sorry to cut you off there. When you said collecting the data, you mean in the form of interviews and questionnaires of the lead, of the followers of the team? Of the followers of the team members of the employees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it okay. varies. I mean, there's a plethora of, of tools out there for that. Um, and sometimes it's as simple as just doing a walkthrough, 
right? And sitting with the team and just having, you know, informal conversations. There's certain questions that I'll ask, um, but it depends on the culture and the environment, you know, if formal 360 kind of thing needs to be done data collection or if it's just more conversational in nature. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Sure. Okay. So then the second leader who... Second leader. <laughs> so the, the types of leaders or managers where they just have no desire because yeah. they've been there for eternity and, you know, they have job security and, you know, it is what it is with them. Hmm. Um, they're a little bit harder. And sometimes it's like, boing, boing, you know, banging your head against the wall, <laughs> um, you know, but even though it's a much slower build with them, it's a different type of framing. So to get them to buy into the importance of changing their communication style, for example, I usually find that it has to be tied to revenue or brand or customer experience. So I am personally a firm believer that employee experience and customer experience are linked. So if you have happy employees, you're more likely to have happy customers. Absolutely. So when I have that conversation with leaders and then they're like, oh, wait a second. So if I have more happy customers, then it's, you know, better brand loyalty and I'm making more money, you know, that's the hook to get them to pay attention to this oh so important people thing that they normally would not pay attention to otherwise. Um, And then it opens the door for a little bit of coaching and, you know, some data and feedback around it. Um, Not to say there haven't been ones that, you know, just will not make progress. Um, You know, they dig their feet in and they will not change and this is their style and so be it. Um, now I'll tell you what happens to those teams, right? In the long run. <laughs> not a so good they, thing. It's not a good thing at all. I think we've probably all been part of those teams or those type of environments at one point in our life or another. And it doesn't feel good for us either, mm. right? So yeah. let's speak to those people who find themselves on a team like that and maybe don't have the opportunity of inviting someone like you, an expert, to come and stir things up. What do you, what advice do you give for somebody who's on a team where they feel like the leadership is not communicating well? Mm -hmm. I mean, the first piece is feedback, right? So is your leader open to feedback? Some are, some aren't. If they're not, okay, fine. You know, you might have to find a little more of a covert way to kind of, you know, get it having that conversation with them, Mm -hmm. but you've got to at least broach the conversation to inform them, hey, look, you know, your communication style or lack of communication or transparent communication is impacting this team and it's impacting our productivity, mm. you know? That um, takes courage, that. It does, it does. And a lot of times people on teams are not willing to do it. So the second piece on that is build the coalition, right? Mm. So the more team members that can coalesce around this, you know, the more that you would go talk to as a team member and they say, yeah, we have the same problem here. You know, this is impacting us as well. You know, bring that to the leader from the perspective of the team. Mm-hmm. Now, the a balancing act with that is you don't want the leader to feel like they're being attacked or bombarded, right? And the entire team is coming to them and saying, you suck at this. <laughs> Because then you're not going to get you're not going to get the outcome you want. No, they're just going to be defensive and dig their heels in more. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but you know, nonetheless, the only way they can improve mm-hmm. is if they're aware, mm-hmm. or if it's brought to their attention, they may already be aware, not wanting to do anything about it. But when they actually see that it's becoming an issue, right? So you've got to take that first step to at least bring it to the leader. So mm-hmm. I will tell team members that are impacted, you know, by these type of things, figure out what works best for you personally. What are you comfortable with? Mm-hmm. You know, communicating you know, and try and build a coalition, you know, or collect that information from your team members. And if you go to your leader on your own, right, to have that conversation, 
you make sure you have that discussion with the team members that they've got your back before you do that. Oh, good point. Yeah. You know, and you can't guarantee safety, right? I mean, psychological safety on the team. You know, so it is to your point earlier, it takes courage mm-hmm. to do that and to have those conversations. But if you're not willing to go there, nothing's going to change. Have you seen organizations and teams transform when they follow this advice? I have, but it's not just that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the transparent communication piece is key. Um, but the real big one that I have seen um, teams transform uh, around is when you take the accountability piece Ooh. and you focus on the accountability piece. Yeah, please speak to that. Sure. So, I mean, you know, oftentimes what happens in teams is it's a it's a pass the buck, right? And it starts with leaders a lot of the times too, particularly these ones that we were talking about that may not be interested in improving. Um, but there's no accountability for getting anything done, right? So it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. When things go wrong, it becomes the blame game, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, it's like kids in a playground. So you get blame and shame and what does that accomplish, right? So- Accountability and a focus on increasing accountability has been something that I have seen has really, really helped teams in this regard. Mm-hmm. And it's a focus on shared accountability, more importantly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when teams are formed, in most cases, teams will have a mission or they will have a vision that they develop as a team. Right? Mm-hmm. What they often do not stop to think about and develop are what are their shared priorities as a team? What team habits? behaviors are they going to commit to as a team to support those priorities and execution of those particular priorities. And it's in that piece where you get into the accountability, right? Because Mm -hmm. then the team members hold themselves equally accountable for achieving those priorities and for the behaviors and habits required for success. So accountability and developing team accountability is a a huge one I have seen that Mm -hmm. helps, Mm -hmm. um, as well as the communication one. Um, and all of these things, you know, transparency, authenticity on behalf of the team member and the leader as well, mm. all of these things put together, you get to your big trust, right? And trust is the huge one. I'm sure, right, Taryn, you see Absolutely. plenty of research around that to experience mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you didn't get into business to be miserable. The problem is that people feel that if their business gets busier, If they start becoming more successful, that happiness will eventually set in. But it can actually get worse. This is why I created the Business of Happiness Prosperity Coaching. In this one-on-one coaching, we look at how to redefine success on your terms and re-find the joy and the passion in your dream. Visit me at thebizofhappiness.com and become the happiest business owner you know. You know, it's interesting because when you're talking about evaluating shared priorities and shared behaviors that everyone finds acceptable, it sounds a lot like more ownership of the organization as an individual. So you become a part of a say in what this means going forward. And that always has people stepping up to the plate. Whenever you feel like you've had a say in the importance of this endeavor or the goal or this the, um, the outcome of what's happening. It really makes you work harder and have more of a vested interest in the success of the business. Exactly. That's the alignment piece. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. You know, you mentioned their authenticity. Can you speak to that as well, please, Scott? How much does the authenticity and, and where does that come in, in terms of a team that is a great successful team? 
Sure. So the first part, I mean, authenticity is a very personal thing mm. for people, right? I mean, the way that we go about accessing our authenticity as, as individuals, you know, is a different journey for each of us, you know, getting in touch with our authentic selves. Um, you know, what are our triggers? You know, what is it that we actually enjoy? You know, how we respond in certain situations where our true happiness and passion lies Yeah. You know, and the inverse of all of that. Um, you know, and some ways that, you know, I work with individuals to access their authenticity, you know, is it's a process. So you've got to start with a little bit of reflection. So that's kind of like the first piece I was mentioning, right? Mm-hmm. So what does this all look like to me? What does this feel like to me? What does this mean to me, right? And that kind of moves you into defining all of that for you after you take some time to reflect. And I'll say this too, people have asked me this before, but what do you mean by reflect, right? So reflection is different for everybody. I mean, you know, for me personally, when I need to reflect, I have a, a playlist, a reflection called Reflect and Reboot playlist. Oh, I like this. Yeah, so I will, I will listen to that and take the dogs on a hike in the woods and clear my head and the combination of things, you know, ideas come in nature to me. But for some people, it's meditation. Um, for folks that are more linear and pragmatic, I mean, you know, for them to be able to get at that and what authenticity means to them in the reflection phase, those are spreadsheets, you know, things that are much more linear because they just like to chuck it out with X's nose, right? Everybody's different. But once you've done that, then you can begin to define what that looks like for you. Right? Mm. Um, and after you define what authenticity looks like to you, you got to test that out, mm. right? So that's finding your, your group of, of tribe people, so to speak, that you're comfortable with you know, to test out this, this new you, so to speak, and your way of being, got to take their feedback into account, right? Mm -hmm. Live with it for a little bit, sit with it, live with it, see how it feels. Is this, you know, is this comfortable for me? Am I comfortable communicating this? Right. And then you learn, right. Which is the iterative piece, because this is not accessing authenticity is not a one and done deal, right? You're going to iterate over time. You're going to take in, you know, different feedback. And when life happens too, and new events, sometimes, you know, we've got to go back to reflect for a little bit, right? But that authenticity piece, um, you know, and accessing the authenticity piece is, is huge for people, um, you know, because if you don't know you, then it's hard to understand when a team member, bring it back to your piece on teams, when a team member or even a leader, right? Or if you are the leader, may be triggering you for that matter, right? Ah. Kind of thing. Yes. And it's so interesting when you mentioned there's almost an evolution of it and giving yourself permission to have your authenticity evolve over time, because you're right. You don't know what it's like to be a parent or what the truth is about you as a parent before you have children. So there's a whole new reevaluation of your authenticity as a parent, or even in a business situation, maybe you get a promotion to a new position. And now you'd never even imagined what your authenticity would be in that new space until you give yourself permission to evolve into it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And or how to manage your authenticity in different environments, right? Ooh, I mean, I'm yeah. real life example. I mean, I am very authentic. It's like very much what you see is what you get with me. I think you know that. So however, what you see is what you get with me is going to be a little bit different when I'm sitting at a C-suite table you know, on client site versus when, you know, I'm interacting with a group of peers at a networking event, or even, you know, when I'm in a personal environment, right? So I'm not shelving my authenticity, 
you know, but I am accessing it and bringing it a little bit differently. So, yes. You know, it's so fascinating you bring that up because you mentioned earlier imposter syndrome. And I think that's where sometimes people get afraid of the different hats they wear. And Mm. they're afraid to be authentic in different ways in different environments. And the truth is, as you said, you'll be a very different Scott, when you're in a certain situation, as opposed to in another, and that doesn't mean you're any less authentic in any situation. Yeah. Situational awareness. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. So how does authenticity then strengthen the success of the team? Got me on my authenticity soapbox there for a second. Yes. (laughs) No, thank you for explaining it. Yes. Um, So, I mean, if everybody on the team you know, is being their true selves and bringing their true selves. For them to be able to do that to begin with, there's a certain level of psychological safety on that team, Mm -hmm. That level of psychological safety unto itself, where people, you know, feel free to speak their mind and share their ideas and concerns and, you know, without repercussion, um, that's going to help relationships and help productivity and performance unto itself right there. Yeah. Um, so authenticity will increase engagement. And if all team members, including the leader, feel that they can be authentic, that's also going to help with transparent communication, right? Because you feel like you can have that conversation and you know how to have that conversation with the individuals on your team. Mm-hmm. You know how to frame things. Mm-hmm. It also helps with the impact first intent piece right? Mm. When you're being authentic and people know, you know, that you're coming from a good place, but you might just be having a bad day, right? They're less likely to say, oh, I can't deal with this one. I want this one off the team, as opposed to the empathy piece where they might take a pause and say, oh, wait, Scott must be having a bad day. Let me check in. Mm. And that's helpful as well to team performance and productivity. So the two aspects embedded in there is coming back to trust again, because in order to do so and be so vulnerable with your colleagues, Mm -hmm. there has to be a lot of trust, shared trust. Mm -hmm. And then also the compassion piece is forgiveness of others. Like, you know, it's so interesting because there used to be this dogma that you just leave your personal life at the door. When you come Mm -hmm. in, leave all your drama and now you're at work, leave everything at home. But you and I both know if your mother's going through cancer treatment or if your dog just died, it's very difficult to leave that at the door. So how does that play into authenticity and not bringing drama into the workplace? Well, first, I agree 100 percent with you. Um, You know, people say, yes, we can shelve our personal life, so to speak. You can to an extent, but it manifests in other ways amongst your team and in the workplace, whether you see it or not. Right. Um, So that's a falsehood to an extent, I would say. So I agree. Yes. You know, we have to be able to bring those type of things, the personal off the shelf. It's part of who we are and bring that to work as well. Now, to your point about managing that, Mm. right, in different situations, um, you know, I think the important piece, too, is the more psychological safety that exists on a team the higher the trust you're going to have, right? So therefore you are more likely to bring personal things that may be bothering you into the workplace. Now, you're also more likely to be aware of which ones are drama, right? So I'm just having a bad day and here's why. And this person cut me off and I had a big commute and I spilled coffee and I can't believe this. And I lost the button today or my spouse irritated me before I walked out the door. You know, all these things that happened to us, right? Yeah, that would be drama, right? Yeah. But to your example, I mean, you know, if you have a family member that's going through cancer treatment, you know, of some kind, you know, and you're carrying that with you, that's going to impact you day in and day out until, you know, they either get better or God forbid, right? So 
having team members where you have that level of trust and safety, where you can bring that and you can be authentic in bringing that and you can be transparent in communicating that and discussing that so that you can kind of unpack that a little bit, right? And they understand where your head is. So if you're mm. disengaged or you're slightly less productive, they're more likely to be empathetic towards what's going on and say, okay, you know, Tara may need a little extra help today. So I'll pick up the slack. You, you know, I know she's got to go home early because she's got to take care of family kind of thing, but she may need a mental health day because I know she's stressed out. So what can I do to support her? Can I give her some vacation hours of mine or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Um, so those things become more and more important to be able to bring, but I think managing the personal within the workplace is highly dependent on a lot of the aspects we were talking about. Well, you brought up again, the clarity and the communication, the Mm -hmm. clarity of communication. And it's interesting to me always this idea of, even if you're not the leader of the team, you're leader of your own dreams and your own success. And maybe how can you incorporate this clarity and this communication when you're in a difficult place. Listen, I just want to tell you, I'm going through this rough time. If you see me having an off day, you've already set the expectation as the day progresses. So you don't necessarily need a leader to be modeling that for you, although that would be ideal. But if that's not happening in your work environment, you can take some of these skills and incorporate them as a leader of your own position. You can, you can. And then that's modeling great behavior for the rest of the team, right? Or for those of us in business for ourselves, for clients, vendors, and those we interact with, right? Absolutely. That's it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as any boss and leader will ever tell you, we learn so much from our team members as well. You could be teaching your boss something new. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's those great bosses that are willing. Yeah. And they're not so many, I I should say this, they're not so many bad bosses out there. I mean, I say that because, you know, we were talking about examples, but there are plenty of positive examples that I have encountered as well. And they're more fun to work with. Um, But it it is, it is both sides. Yes. The world is not filled with bad, toxic bosses and only bad, toxic bosses. No. (laughs) So I do want to return just because I had another question about authenticity. What advice do you give to someone who feels like they just can't be not brave, but safe to be truly authentic on their team. There's going to be some judgment coming up at them or some repercussions. What advice do you give to someone in that situation? Test it out. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, find what's comfortable for you and test it out. And, you know, the truth may be, yeah, you're not on a safe team, right? Mm. Psychological safety does not exist on that team. Could be due to the team members, could be due to the leaders. A lot of times it's due to the culture of the organization. Mm. Um, It does happen, right? Mm. Um, but if you're determined to try and remain in that position, or you really like your job, or it may be leader related, not team member related, and you already know that. So you want to stay part of that team, test it out anyway. Now, that being said, there's also a big difference between, you know, issues around psychological trust and safety and speaking up and, you know, having an inclusive environment and truly dangerous things, Mm. right? You know, I mean, if you have a truly abusive boss who is verbally abusive every day and constantly, constantly putting people down and it's kicked the can and you're bringing that home and that's impacting your personal relationships, you know, then that's something that you have to, you know, well, if you're going to stay in the organization, escalate and elevate, get taken care of through proper channels or make the decision to leave. Yeah, Yeah. So not everything can be addressed in this regard. Some things do need to be, you know, escalated and decisions need to be made. Yeah. But test, test and see what happens. 
I like that advice. I like that. Now, you've been telling us so much of your expertise around the consulting aspect of what you do. Tell us a little bit about your coaching platform as well. What services do you offer as a coach and how are they related to these tools that you're teaching to your organizations? Sure. So authenticity is a huge one, right? I do a lot of work around that, um, you know, and sometimes it will start with emerging leaders. So managers that were just put into, you know, uh, manager positions and then trickle up the work that we're doing to their leaders at the executive level, because their leaders will all of a sudden say, oh, wait a minute, look at this. Mary Sue's being a little bit different here. You know, she's bringing different sides of herself and the team is liking this and the team is performing better. The team that she manages is performing better. Why is that, right? So there's a big piece around authenticity and helping individuals to, you know, access their authenticity, what that means to them and how to bring it. Um, The bulk of coaching work that I do is also around uh, transformational and systemic change. So helping people to raise awareness, shift perceptions, and then adapt their behaviors Um, And in some cases, it's because they want to just accelerate their performance. Um, In other cases, it's because of the fact that, you know, they may be dealing with change and transition, Mm -hmm. right? So they want to learn how to go ahead and navigate change and transition and come out happy on the other side and help their team through it. Um, You know, the the coaching around getting stuck is a big piece for folks as well. Um, I do a lot of work around that. Sometimes people are just feeling overwhelmed, so they need to prioritize a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Part of it is figuring out what's important to them. Part of it is prioritizing what's on their plate already um, kind of thing. Um, and then do they want to deal with that still? Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes unstuck means you make a move, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes unstuck means that you've raised awareness around certain behaviors, and then you begin to adapt and change those behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the individual coaching is a little bit different. Um, and I also do um, some team coaching as well. Um, that's a little bit around what we were talking about earlier, actually, right? Yeah. You know, helping teams get aligned and, you know, uh, common alignment. Mm-hmm. You know, establishing the-, the culture. and Exactly. Establishing mm-hmm. the team culture mm-hmm. and, and all of those things as well. Really cool. Really cool. So as I mentioned earlier in the intro, I was mentioning how Scott and I actually met one another, and that is through this collaborative effort here. Eric Severson is creating this book called The Successful Spirit, which is the third of a trilogy, The Successful Mind, The Successful Body, and now The Successful Spirit. And Scott and I were honored to be chosen as co-authors on this on this book. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about, give us a sneak peek before the book comes out, please, Scott. (laughs) And what was your chapter about in terms of the successful spirit? I have a feeling it's got a lot to do with what we were talking about today. Ta-da, right? I mean, yeah, (laughs) because we talk about happiness and passion. I mean, this is a good- Yeah. So, I mean, and and for me, you know, a big piece of that is around authenticity, like we were talking about. Um, So my contribution Um, to the book is on exactly that, uh, how to access your authenticity and how to be you and bring you. So some of the strategies that we were, we were discussing earlier, um, you know, are in the book, um, a couple steps in a process as to how to go about accessing your authenticity. Um, And then a little bit about what it's like when you don't, right. Um, And when you're not being your authentic self and how that impacts us um, and our health and our mindset and our relationships. Mm. And then of course the inverse, right. So much happier world, you know, for us and those around us when we can access our authenticity and be our authentic selves. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to read your chapter. I can't wait. 
Thank you. Thank you. And likewise, too. Oh, thank you. This is going to be a really great book. And, and I'll let we'll let our audience know when it comes out. I'm not sure when do you when is it supposed to come out? Do you know? I believe sometime this summer it's supposed to be yeah. out. But, um, you know, those those that follow us both on social media will see it well before then, you know, as we begin to, to make the push, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me, tell us where we can find you on social media. Sure. So you can find me via my website, which is tolerosolutions.com, T-O-L-E-R-O solutions, all one word.com. And then for the coaching work, um, there is a coaching part of that website, which is tolerosolutions.com slash coaching as well. And then social media too. Um, You can find me on uh, LinkedIn, nice and easy. Uh, YouTube, nice and easy, trying to do more of that these days, Um, as well as uh, Facebook and some of the other social channels too. Wonderful. We'll be sure to check you out. And all those links will be in the show notes as well, if you're interested. And so what we now have come to is my favorite part of the interview always, Scott, and that's to ask you our final three questions. And I usually ask, what is your definition of happiness? But I'm going to switch it up a little bit today and ask you, what is your definition of success? They're kind of the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, it's evolved over the years, but definition of success is living my personal fulfillment and making a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And isn't that interesting that you're right, they're wrapped up in one and the same happiness and success. And how often we seem to think that they're separate. Right? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Mm-hmm. And what would you say your superpower is? What do you think Scott Spann's superpower is? Oh, I cut right to it. So, <laughs> I mean, I've been told, I've, I've been told by, by clients and, and friends and colleagues alike, um, you know, that I'm very good at seeing all the moving parts and I can cut right to root causes or I can cut right to what's, you know, potential issue kind of thing. Um, some clients like that better than others, but definitely. Yeah. A definitely Sometimes a that's a pretty clear, transparent mirror to be looking into as a client, I can imagine. But yeah. that's, that is a superpower to be able to weed out all the interruptions and interferences and see what the problem really is. Yeah. Yeah. How did you realize that that was something that you were really good at? I actually had a client say to me, and I was doing project management work, I wasn't even doing change or, or coaching work. And she said to me, she's like, you know, she's like, you're just really good at seeing through the BS and cutting to it and connecting the dots. And then I said, tell me more. <laughs> and we had a conversation around that. And then I started asking, you know, not like right away, but you know, as I was having conversations with other people who knew me and it seemed to be a consistent theme mm-hmm. and positive feedback, you know, from clients as well in that regard that mm-hmm. get stuff done. The reason I can get stuff done is because I could just, you know, help them identify and see the root cause. Powerful, really powerful. So my final question to you, Scott, is this, if this beautiful chapter that you've now written and this incredible website that I know you're working on right now, were all to disappear tomorrow and you could leave us with just one 30 second piece of brilliance on this YouTube (laughs) presentation, what would that be? What would you want to leave us with, with an understanding for our own success in our own lives? Sure. Everybody is different. We're all different. Respect what that means to you. Put the time into what that means and identify it for yourself and respect your own journey because that's how you're going to make a difference for you. That's how you're going to make a difference for other people. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Thank you. I should write it down. You should. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is really good. Well, thank you again for sharing your time and your expertise with us here today. I appreciate it. And I'm so grateful to have met you. You too, serendipity. And I look forward to reading your chapter in our book. Wonderful. And thank you to so many of you for joining us today and for partaking in this conversation with us and being open-minded to see success in a new way. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining me on this week's episode of the Business of Happiness podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you know of a colleague who could benefit from the perspective, empower their day and share this episode with them. Or check out more episodes at embracethelead.com. I look forward to exploring fulfillment in business with you again next week. And remember, today is going to be a great day. Day.